0: Well, I know you wasn't expecting to hear my voice already. You was expecting the intro music, and you're going to hear it in just a minute. But I wanted to say we've had so many emails about our intro music, about people saying they loved it and wanted to listen to it, and instead of playing just 25, 30 seconds of it and then talking and then playing a little bit at the end, I just thought I'd change it up today and let everybody listen to the, our intro music our song, entitled The Old Time Way, just let you listen to the entire song all the way through. It's about three minutes long. And then after the three-minute song's over, then we'll continue with the regular scheduled programming. So without further ado, The Old Time Way, written by my wife, Kelly Griffiths, and sang with her and her brother, as you know, Zachary Cordell. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you in a couple minutes.
1: Say I live too tight for that I think I'm the only one right But I got news for you today That it still takes the old time way I don't want to live life on the edge I'd rather live where the Bible says Vamos I've run The Lord says to me My child, well done
0: Good morning, everybody. I know you weren't expecting to hear that this morning, but That's how I felt like doing it today Hope everybody's doing well Thank you for tuning in on the Two Peas on a Pod podcast here today again And uh, I tell you, we really have We've had a numerous amount of emails come to us about that intro song And some of the other music that we've been putting on our podcast Which is my wife and brother-in-law or our choir CD there at Vansburg Holiness Church and uh, we do have some choir CDs of the Vansburg Holiness Choir, but we sold out of all the other CDs, and uh, and so we've had people emailing us about how do we buy this online. How do we get it on? Uh, we used to have it on iTunes. We used to have it on Google. And you uh, used to be able to buy it on there, the the you know the digital version of the album. And uh, but we've ran into some issues, and they kicked it off the platforms because of some new tax law. Brother Zach's over that, he said. And so we've been going through some red tape, I guess you could say, trying to get it back online. So if you'd bear with us, we're going to try our best um, to get it on there, I don't know how long it'll take, and uh, but really, I don't have no way for anybody to get any music right now, and we apologize for that, but we try our best to change it up on here, and uh, and play different songs at different times, and uh, if you listened last Thursday. To the Why I Believe series with Brother Joey Holden and myself. We talked about the severity of sin, and that was an awesome episode. Really enjoyed doing that with him. And at the ending there was another song that my wife wrote called I'm Saved. And uh, that song is an awesome song as well. It's a lot slower than the old time way, but it's an amazing song. And uh, if you've not heard that one, go back last Thursday and listen to that. But good morning, everybody. It's a wonderful week in the Lord, and it's Easter week. Easter is coming up this Sunday. Thank God that our Savior rose again on the third day. And so this is our Easter episode. And as you can tell, all you've heard is me talking. And that is because me and Brother Zach have found it nearly impossible to record for Easter. We've tried everything in our power. Practically to try to get some time open to where we could record together. I was actually in Vansburg for just uh, just four or five days, and we had so many doctors' appointments, and our home church was in revival, and I had to leave because we start revival when this is put out. So, anyways, we've just been so busy we haven't been able to get together. So you've just you're stuck with me today. I'm sorry, but not me alone. We're gonna have some special guests. I got two wonderful preacher friends of mine that are going to be on with us in this episode to talk about Easter. Quickly, I just want to say before we keep going with the episode, and we're going to get a a special guest on here, I was looking there in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 where it says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And uh, I tell you to fully understand just Easter in itself, my mind goes back to the Old Testament on why that Jesus came to this earth, why he died for our sins and that you could take every single drop of blood ever offered and put it all together and it can never wash away sin. The Old Testament, it was just a temporary covering. And uh, I'm going to put a plug in for some of our older episodes when we first started recording. Me and Brother Zach done a two-part episode on are you clean? Are you saved? And uh, I just want to refer back to those Episodes. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to those. We go and go in depth and talk about the Old Testament and the need for a Savior and why Jesus did come. And so I'm not going to go through all that. That's too much for this episode. It's going to be a long one today, anyways. And uh, but you know, Revelation five talks about John seeing a book that was sealed with seven seals. It was the title deed to the earth. But in verse three, we can read where no man was found anywhere in heaven, anywhere in earth, or under the earth to open the book and. John wept much, but then one elder said, Weep not. There weep not. There is a lamb that has been slain. No man was found. Amen. It said, No man was found, because only a man could save mankind. It had to be a perfect, sinless man to find, to find that was worthy to open that book. And Adam lost that deed to the earth. He lost it. They sinned. They'd lost it. But what we lose in Adam, we gain in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. He was 100% God, 100% man. Amen. And uh, one preacher said, He, the Son of God, became the Son of Man so that we, the sons of men, can become the sons of God. And Jesus was on the cross. He cried out, yielded up the ghost, surrendered unto death, And he cries out, nailed to the cross, nailed to the tree. And uh, one preacher talked about how it all started with the tree. Sin came into this world because of what happened with a tree in the garden. And now where the first Adam was driven away from the tree, the second Adam was driven by nails to a tree. And behold, the veil in the temple was written twain from top to bottom. That veil, that separation between God and man was taken out of the way. One cherubim ran to the left. One cherubim ran to the right as the veil was ripped in half. The top was too high for man to reach, but only God the Father could rip that veil in half. That veil was so big. Amen. You can, you can read about that, how thick and how tall and wide that veil was, but Jesus screamed out, it is Finished. And that separation was gone, and he died on the cross. It was finished, and we had to have a Savior. He had to die on a cross for us to be saved. It had to happen for us to—the to, ultimate sacrifice had— to happen. It was the plan of God. It was never the plan of God to redeem folks by the law. It couldn't happen. That was not the plan of God. You can read there in Romans, says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. There had to be a perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice to redeem all of mankind. I tell you, I am so thankful that we have a Savior. I am so thankful He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb and resurrected on the third day, all of it for us. Well, I'm going to be quiet for now, and we're going to move on to the next part of our episode today. Well, everybody, we got a special guest on the podcast today, and uh, we have a first-time guest. He's never spoke On our podcast before now he has sent us an email before and uh, we've collaborated and we talk off air um, quite a bit really and uh, but he's become a good friend of mine and he's going to come on he's on the zoom call with us right now and he's going to uh, come on and talk to us about a portion of the Easter story and so welcome to the two peas on a pod podcast Potterator brother Devin Birdsong.
2: Hey, Brother Austin, it's good to be with you, man.
0: So you I are sure. you are the host of Pod Me.
2: I am the host the Humble Poderator, yes, sir.
0: <laughs> well, you don't have the rest of your crew with you today, but I did ask you to come on for the first time and uh, be with us here for, for just a little while and talk to us about a portion of the Easter story you've got prepared for us.
2: Yes, sir, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, Brother Austin. And I want to say, first of all, Thank you for what you and Brother Zach are doing, and I enjoy listening to what you guys do on a regular basis, and we have had a good friendship here that started in the last few weeks due to this podcast. So I say last few weeks, the last few months due to this podcast. So it's uh, it's a privilege to be here today.
0: Yes, sir. So we, we talked a little bit about what you're going to talk about today. And uh, you said you felt like talking to us about Simon. And uh, that's definitely a character, I think, that may be overlooked, if you want to say, in, uh, in the portion of this, this Easter story. And so really, I'm just going to turn it over to you, however you want to start, if you want to read the scripture there and whatever you want to go, and we'll just dialogue from there.
2: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. The uh, the cross has been at the center of our focus you know in our in our experience with the lord i thank god for that i think that it is necessary that every christian keeps the cross in focus and certainly that's been the case in my life and then i remembered back every year i i kind of go back to this when i first was called to preach it was several years before i preached my first message but i'll never forget when god gave me my first message Uh, I preached it in November of 2004. My first message was out of the text in Nehemiah chapter two, verse number 11, where Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem and surveying the city there after it had been destroyed. And verse 11 says, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I know you're not supposed to do this. It was early in my ministry, but I took that verse out of context and preached on three days in Jerusalem. It was Very poor delivery. The message wasn't that great, but I started my ministry preaching about the cross. And I talked about, you know, if you had three days that you could spend in Jerusalem, I think the greatest three days of events that's ever taken place on earth was in these three days when Jesus died, when he was buried, and certainly on the third day when he rose again. So it is something that has been very close to my heart. And all through the story, many things stand out. I mean, we could right. we could talk for on this subject, but one of the men that caught my attention here several years ago was Simon of Cyrene. In Mark's gospel, chapter number 15, verse number 21, this is speaking of the Roman soldiers. It says, They compel one, Simon a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross. And I know it's not super wise to infer a lot of things in scripture, but we know that what was going on in Jerusalem at the time when Christ died was the Passover. Yes. And every Jewish male would have been their desire as God designed it and commanded it that every Jewish male appears before the Lord three times in a year. Obviously for those that live far out, it would have been impossible for them to show up in Jerusalem three times in a year. More than likely coming from the distance that Simon came from, which my understanding is from Cyrene to Jerusalem, it's about 780 miles that he took uh, on this journey to Jerusalem. Very likely, it was a a once-in-a-lifetime trip that he was going to take. So these characters all throughout the story kind of grabbed my attention. And when I think about Simon and all the preparation that he went to to get prepared for this trip, I mean, just traveling alone uh, would have taken him somewhere between, I think, uh, most commentators believe it took somewhere between Four weeks and six weeks, so a month, month and a half of travel time. Wow! And I've thought a lot about the preparation that he put into this. We also know that for the Passover lamb, each each person or each family, maybe rather, brought their own Passover lamb or purchased it from the uh, temple authorities when they got to Jerusalem. I'm not sure. You know, the Bible doesn't elaborate on everything that. Simon did, whether he brought his own lamb or not, we do know that the morning that his life changed here in this text, he was coming into the city, no doubt, to celebrate this Passover, and maybe even to take his lamb to be sacrificed on the Temple Mount. It it was a it was a joyous occasion, but it was also a very sobering occasion when they remembered that the Passover was their uh, there, it was their 4th of July, essentially it was what, what a, a 4th of July is to us Americans. It was their, it was their independence. It was when they won a uh, victory over Egypt, uh, Egypt's bondage and come into Canaan land, start their journey toward Canaan land. And so here he comes in, into the city. And as he's coming in, the Bible says there's this procession, a criminal or so-called criminal, is being led out by Roman authorities now. Jesus is under their jurisdiction. Soldiers are leading him out. He's been beaten beyond recognition. His, His countenance, his visage, Isaiah said, was so marred more than any other man. And I can just imagine the things that must have raced through Simon's mind about this man. What did he do? who deserves this? Romans, they were ruthless. They were cruel, but who deserves this kind of a deal? And then all of a sudden, as he's standing there as what we would consider an innocent bystander, probably just waiting for this whole crowd to move past, the Roman soldier comes to him and compels him to carry this man's cross. Now, the scripture text doesn't say this. I know it's It's believed by history that Jesus stumbled. I don't know that that's the case or not. The scripture doesn't necessarily bear that out. Whatever the reason was, we know that Simon was compelled to carry the cross of the Lord. But one thing that we miss a lot in the scripture text is Gentiles. We don't understand the ramifications that happened to Simon. He totally lost his right his ceremonial right to offer sacrifice or to go near the temple. Once he came in contact with the blood of Jesus. And I've thought about this, what conflict came into his mind when that happened, all of a sudden he's summoned by the Roman authority. You carry this man's cross and he carries the cross of the Lord. That's coated with blood, sinless blood, and all of a sudden he realizes I have no right now by ceremonial law to go and offer my own lamb for a sacrifice. By the religious, by the religious rites, he was totally unclean to go to the temple now. So now all this stuff that he's taken in to prepare himself for this once-in-a-lifetime trip is now all null and void. And it's amazing to me, Brother Austin, that he is compelled not just to carry the cross for just a few feet, but to carry the cross, likely the rest of the way up Calvary's Hill. And he's one of the very first men that experienced Calvary from that literal standpoint. It's it's awesome for me to think about. And I also think about, you know, The possible, like I said, confusion, the possible anguish, has my trip been wasted? And we know the answer to that, you know, as ministers of the gospel, this is what we preach on, you know, you don't waste trips when you go to to Calvary. And here he comes up and somehow I believe through Mark's writing that Simon believed in the man that he was carrying the cross for somehow. And I don't understand how God gets his word out. You know, the Bible says that the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men and it teaches us things, but how God gets that done, i leave that up to him. But I think it's awesome that he can get it done. And I somehow believe that Simon was a recipient of the grace of God. As a matter of fact, the reason why I say that is in Mark's gospel here where we read Mark is writing to a Roman audience and he is, he's doing what we would do if we were trying to connect someone to our, our audience, we would say things like this. Well, you know, you know, brother Austin Griffiths, he's brother Zach Cordell's brother-in-law. In this verse, it seems to me like that Mark is saying, you know, You may not know Simon, but you know his sons. It's the father of Alexander and Rufus. And Rufus is referenced in the book of Romans. And then uh, as we were talking before this episode aired, uh, you looked up the uh, account in Acts chapter 19. There's a man by the name of Alexander that's mentioned. And at least one commentator thinks that it's extremely likely that that is a reference to Simon of Cyrene's son, and you know, like I said, it's dangerous for you to live in in uh, the world where you're building things that aren't in the Word of God. Right. But I, I fully believe that these two men, their life was affected by what happened to their father right here.
0: Well, for Paul, for Paul to say that he saluted Rufus, his mother and mine. You know what a
2: there's family connection after right. that. Yes.
0: That very well, you know, wouldn't have been there had not things went the way it did with Simon, and that just that story. I remember my father-in-law, my pastor, has preached about Simon many times, and uh, just how, just what a life-changing experience, an experience that you'll never get over till your dying breath. You'll always remember that, and like you said, it it, it almost remind me. Of uh, you know the thieves on the cross that they you know somewhere in the Lord's eyes, um, just maybe, and that I don't I don't know how to say it, but somewhere that thief on the cross knew he sensed that there was mercy in the midst, and right. that you know there was just there was just that presence of God that was there, and it kind of makes you think that you know Simon just. Something about it he just knew. And then, you know, it was such an experience. You know that's how it happened because it was such an experience that his children, you know, he went home. Could you imagine, um, you know, the 700-and-some-mile journey home? Could you imagine just completely just telling your kids over and over for the rest of your life and growing them up, saying, I carried the Savior's cross? And uh, just I, I couldn't imagine that kind of testimony.
2: Yeah, me either. It's it's something awesome to think about. But when we line it up with our own experiences, we do the same thing. I came in contact with the blood of Jesus when I was nine years old. I was raised in church, but I felt God convicted my heart of my sins when I was nine years old. And I've been talking about it ever since. Right. So uh, a 780 mile journey home. Sure, he did. It was a, it was a pivotal point in his life. And it's amazing to me too, brother Austin. I have saw this many times and you have as well, but those people that think that it was just coincidence or, you know, why am yeah. I even at church tonight? You know, why yeah. did I show up at this revival at this particular time? They, they come to realize that when God's grace is involved, it's not coincidence, it's on purpose. Right. And God, God's providence is is awesome. When you think about what links He goes to to show people grace and mercy, and it's it's neat to me to think that what He put His faith in, Simon put His faith in um, in the ceremonial law. He put His faith in Judaism. He put His faith in worshiping God to the best of His ability then all of a sudden what he had his faith in we know through Paul's writing that could never save a man the law couldn't save a man right. it was a school to bring us to Christ but everything he had his faith in was then null and void when it comes to seeing God's land being sacrificed on Calvary it's amazing it's it's the greatest story ever told
0: and really i don't think we'll ever you know according to scripture we don't we don't really know a whole lot and uh, only eternity will tell really the extent of just simon's impact right on on the church you know simon's impact on his testimony and what he did and what what he told you know there's right. there's no way to know but like you said you know the way god does things he will You know, it wasn't just some random bystander they just threw out there. You know, everything, when God's hand's involved, it's not an accident.
2: That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's tremendous to think about the great lengths that God goes to to save a sinner. No matter if you're a religious sinner or if you're a sinner that's never heard the story. If you've got your faith in something other than Christ, you're not going to be saved but His grace is shed abroad into every heart, and, and thank God there are people that respond to it.
0: That is right. And I tell you, um, I heard somebody say, you know, we talked about Simon, and of course this is Easter time, this is Easter season, and uh, Easter is we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one man, one man said it like this, Christmas was a promise, but Easter was the proof. And yes, uh, you know I'm I'm so glad. I think we could anybody that's saved can all agree we are so glad that on the third day, he arose again. And uh, I tell you, the Easter story is just amazing. Going through, you know, going through everything, just the life of Christ, how it all was laid out. Just it's unbelievable. You you couldn't go through it in one episode. We couldn't do it in a plethora of episodes. It'd be I mean really to go through the entire story of everything Jesus done for us is just and and to hit people along the way like Simon, it's just it would take a long time.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm thankful that we got the gospels to read. You know, if you want to see something in a in a greater measure, you know, two dimensions is awesome. Three dimensions is brings a depth to the picture. But when it came to showing who Jesus was, we got four gospel writers. You got a four-dimensional view of him. Read the book, study the book, and you'll never, never, ever exhaust everything in the story.
0: Right. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Well, I want to thank you right here. I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and just sharing with us a little bit of the Easter story. And I appreciate it. I really do.
2: Yes, sir. It's my honor, Brother Austin, I thank you guys for what you're doing, and we're behind you 100%.
0: Well, I appreciate it, and this won't be the first – this won't be – well, this is the first time. This won't be the last time that you'll be on the (laughs) podcast, Lord willing.
2: Yes, sir. Well, it's my privilege to be here today. God bless you, man.
0: You too, brother. Well, I was so glad to have Brother Devin Birdsong on the podcast with us today. Uh, appreciate him. And Pardon Me, wonderful podcast I've listened to for a long time. Appreciate them and what they do. You can give them a listen. They're supposed to have some awesome Easter episodes out as well coming up this week. So make sure you give them a listen. And uh, But I'm telling you, I am so thankful for Easter. It reminds me of a story one time I had read about a man that stood looking at a painting. And while he was there, the little boy was behind him. And he, that little boy said, Mr., that, that, that's Jesus on the cross. And the man didn't reply. And the boy said, Now, these soldiers there, they, they put him on there. And that man had no reply. And then the boy said, Those disciples there, they, they buried him. And that man still had no reply. And then the man walked away. But the boy ran to catch him and said, But, mister, don't leave. I have to tell you the rest of the story first. He came out of the grave. And he came out of the grave and is alive on the third day. And I tell you, that is the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the assurance from God that the payment for our sin was paid in full. For all of our sins were placed on Christ. Amen. And he was resurrected on the third day. You see, without his resurrection, his death would just be another death. It would prove that he was powerless to give life and to conquer death. But because he rose again on the third day, he claimed to be deity. Amen. He claimed to be deity and he rose again on the third day. But Paul said, for if Christ hath not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain and our preaching is in vain. But he did rise from the dead, but he is alive forevermore. He is on the right hand of God, like Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. He is on the right hand of God, and I tell you, God is alive. He died for us. He was resurrected on the third day, and we can be saved. The resurrection completes the gospel. Some folks preached, uh, you know, I I heard uh, one man preach it like this. He said, preaching the death of Jesus is not the gospel, Preaching the burial of Jesus was not the gospel, but the gospel is that he died, was buried, and on the third day he arose again. He proved his deity. Amen. He proved his deity. He said he would rise again on the third day. He was alive again on the third day. It was proven. You know, we can read there in John where they started out chanting of the people to crucify Christ. He bore his own cross. He entered upon Golgotha's hill, You know, John doesn't give as much as the detailed account of the crucifixion like Matthew and Luke does, but he died. Christ died. He gave up the ghost. You know, a lot of folks say Christ died of asphyxiation on the cross. They want to say that they killed him. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He surrendered himself unto death. We can't do that. You know, we can kind of see when somebody's about to die. We can kind of give up, but we cannot choose the second that we, just, we can't just make ourselves give up death, but he surrendered himself unto death. And then Joseph of Arimathea comes to Pilate regarding the body of Christ. They take him to a tomb there in the garden. Jesus had preached to the people, performed miracles, and prophesied that he would die, but that he would rise again. That's what he said in Mark 8 and 31, after three days He'll rise again. Jesus, you see, he wasn't the only person to ever claim deity. Jesus told them the only sign they'll have is his resurrection. And the skeptics knew Christ said three days he would rise again. And they knew they could never kill Christianity if his body was gone on the third day. So what they do? They sealed the tomb with a stone and the Roman seal. But let me tell you today, in this Easter season, there's a testimony from the tomb. A testimony is a declaration, evidence, an outward sign, public profession, an open acknowledgement. There was a testimony from that tomb. And uh, I already told you there, if Christ be not risen, our preaching is vain. Our faith is also vain. Christ had to rise from the dead. If he didn't, our faith would be in vain. Because his claim to be God would be refuted by his inability to arise from his own death. But they all seen the grave clothes lying there in the tomb But there was no Jesus. Oh, what a message of power. The proof was there. The stone was rolled away. The clothes were empty. The napkin was folded. The angels were there. No hallucination, no trick. He was alive. And you know, you read scriptures all through the word of God. And it says that he that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. How do I know that's true? Scripture that says that he has gone to prepare a place for me and he will come again and receive me unto himself. How do I know that's true? The scripture says death has lost its sting. Grave has been swallowed up in victory. It says he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We can read on where it says that when he shall appear, I shall be like him. How do I know that's true? How do I know that it's true that when he said that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us? How do I know that all the promises of God are yes and true? I know because he's alive. I know because he rose from the dead just like he said. Our preaching's not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. He is alive right now. And I'll never forget, we was in Easter Revival at Vanceburg several years ago with Brother Tim Hutchin, and he brought out that scripture in Acts 5 and 32, and it says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. The Holy Ghost is screaming over and over, day after day. He is alive. I am so thankful for for Easter. Praise God. Well, we have another special guest with us here today, and so we're going to move on to the next part of this episode. We have with us today a very, very good friend of mine, all the way from Orville, California. And so we are going all the way to the other side of the country today to interview a friend of mine, and we have with us Brother Jeff Wood. How are you doing today, Brother Jeff?
3: Hey, Brother Austin. I am doing excellent this morning. Thank you for, for calling me up and having me in this program.
0: Well, thank you for wanting to come on here. And uh, we spent a pretty good time with you last spring and uh, just became very good friends over the years. And uh, I've always enjoyed your preaching and just the way, you know, it's amazing how different preachers, um, God just uses different preachers, different personalities and different ways of doing things. And uh, And I just really enjoy your your way of preaching and things and uh I, I really thought of you when i thought about having somebody on here so i asked you to come on here and give us a portion of the easter story and i uh, left that totally up to you and so i'm going to turn it over to you and you uh you can talk to the the audience about what you what you want to say about this wonderful season of easter
3: yes sir i appreciate that uh easter is a special time of course to to the faith and christians And uh, really for the whole human race what God did there uh, not only at Calvary um, but also at that tomb when he resurrected and um, certainly I I understand my audience I'm not talking to people that don't know the basics Um, if you're listening in you probably have at least uh, been acquainted with the story and acquainted with Christianity in general so I won't uh, go over the totality of, of what the Easter story consists of but um, I, am, uh, I am so impressed about what God did for humanity uh, for the sake of, of all of us who are subject to this death business. Um, by sin death entered into the world, and here we are subject to it. Um, but it's so exciting that God has offered an alternative um, through Christ and His suffering and resurrection. Um, maybe I'll, I guess I'll start this morning. I've got two things on my heart of, um, one of them is a story, uh, that always touches me, uh, when I read it. And also another one is, um, is just a concept of what comes to mind when I consider what Christ did for us. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go ahead and start with, um, with what I feel about God when I consider the resurrection. Uh, I feel like God. God becomes uh like a hero to humanity uh when when he came down and walked here on earth um because he did what we what we could not do that's what i feel like makes a hero this concept of of what creates a hero to humanity and the mankind is uh someone that can do something that we can't and we look up to them because they do something that's amazing and astounding um I mean, for carnal examples, today people call heroes uh, someone that can throw and catch a a ball (laughs) in a great display of athletic ability. And and they call him a hero because they can do something that, you know, the normal average human can't. Uh, Maybe someone that can act well or, you know, recreate a historical figure or some heroic superpower in the movie. And all of a sudden, his picture is pasted on magazines and uh, Walmart. Check out lines everywhere, <laughs> and then you know uh someone could sing, they sing beautiful and it's uh it's moving, certainly that's a gift, and it's exceptional, but uh all of a sudden, all the little girls dress like her and and they want to chew the gum she's chewing you know and and so that's that's kind of the breakdown of of what a hero is because we we look up to them as what makes them a hero, and we're astounded at their abilities um but really none of that impresses me. Um, we all know in a few years that whatever heroic feat they did, if you call it that, um, they'll all disappear and be replaced with someone else. You know, even as David said, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Um, and so, I feel like though that Christ is a real hero. Uh, he has been victorious over challenges that actually matter to humanity. Uh, he took temptation by the horns and he won. Uh, He faced death, and he laid his life down, and he trusted in his Father to raise it up. Uh, You remember on the cross, he committed his spirit to his Father and his future into his Father's hands. And then at the tomb on the third day in the morning, he got the victory over death permanently. And I believe that that's a worthy fact right there to make him the hero of all humanity. Revelation tells us, the first chapter when he introduced himself to John, uh, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. And so that right there, I believe, is, is what I like to focus on when I consider uh, Easter and the resurrection. Is we have a real legitimate hero, someone to be worshiped someone to be looked up to and emulated and an attempt to be like him and uh, latch a hold of him i believe the the reason humanity has heroes is because uh of our limitations but we we also want to have this idea of being a part of something greater than ourselves we have that that weakness in us if you call it a weakness it's just imparted to us by god by virtue of the way he created us uh, but we have a desire to excel in areas that are greater than us, and when we find someone that can, we latch a hold of them and uh, that's why i I feel that Christ is so worthy of our worship is because that he did latch a hold of things that none of us have been able to conquer on our own and uh, and so uh continuing on though, the extent of his power over death I believe was was tested. During his earthly ministry, uh remember the ruler of the of the Jews that came to him in uh, Matthew nine he worshipped him, and he said, "My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live." I feel like that in that situation um uh, that that there was an element of faith because that ruler had seen Christ's work. Uh, I'm not sure that he had seen him raise anyone from the dead, but Christ was doing things nobody else could do, and he likes to hold a faith that God could do something of that extent, and so he did. He raised uh, that little girl up from the dead, and um, then he got tested a little further at the tomb of Lazarus, where that Martha said, if you'd been here, he had not died, our brother had not died, but Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so I believe that, uh, that Jesus was building a case there when he raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead for four days. I believe he's laying uh, out a case for us that he is uh, worthy of us placing our trust in that area of life, that area that's beyond our control and why not in those areas of life that we think kind of are in our control you know those day-to-day events those decisions that we make that God has given in us in our power to make um you know that are that are smaller than such things as death and resurrection why not trust God in everything he certainly proved himself in the larger um but Jesus lays out for us i believe in his earthly ministry uh, how that this blessed hope of the resurrection can be obtained by us mere mortals uh when in john chapter 5 he was preaching to the uh the group of the jews that had gathered there to listen to him he let them that he know that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life and he even said the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of god and they that hear shall live and I believe what he was speaking of there was was more so the living dead you know us that are dead in our sins and trespasses as Paul describes to us Um, but then also he goes on in verse 28 of, of John 5 marvel not at this so he's speaking of the resurrection of spiritual death to life you know salvation that we know he says marvel not at this for the hour is coming So he's speaking, I believe, of the general resurrection in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so I believe that when Christ was raised from the dead, it was not just a display of his power over death, but it was a sample of what God is going to do one day for those, even us. Who dare to believe in Him? 1 Corinthians fifteen and twenty says, "But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept." And so, when God raised Christ from the dead, He was attempting to show us not only, of course, His power over death, and, and thank God, Christ didn't see corruption, and God gave us that example, and uh, death could not be, could not hold; He could not be holden of it. Uh, but really, the whole purpose of this was for our sakes. I mean, I know it's a very basic concept, but Christ would have never came in the first place if it were not for the, uh, the sake of humanity. He did not come just to simply go through the experience for the fun of it. But Christ came with a, a ministry and a goal, and that is to, to share with us that we could obtain that same power over death, I mean, it's not of myself. And even even God gave us that through Christ that he laid his life down. And it was the Father that raised him up, but he trusted the Father to raise him up. And so it's the same example to us. Um and First Corinthians chapter 15 and, and 51, the apostle Paul discussed about um you know the mystery of of the resurrection versus when Christ comes. Some of us, you know, are going to be alive and remaining and come. But it lets us know that the corruptible is going to put on incorruption. The mortal is going to put on immortality. And uh, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And so when we see this world around us, Brother Austin, and how they're so caught up in whether it's money, fame, beauty, vanity, whatever it is, They're they're simply pursuing and chasing after life, eternal life, down here. They're trying to make life to the fullest, and they're ignoring, as the old saying goes, the the elephant in the room, they're ignoring the fact that there is something that man cannot ever conquer. We can never beat death without God's help. That's right. And here, here we've got this awesome, amazing example. Of, of A powerful God, the creator, who has resurrected his son, who not only got victory over death, which, which is the ultimate enemy, but down here in this life was victorious over every temptation, everything the devil threw at him, he passed with flying colors and did those things that pleased God always and served his father and did his father's will, never did his own thing, never spoke his own words. It was all about his heavenly father. And so we have an example, and then we have a great hope. Even as Paul said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And uh, of course, it talks about the sting of death being sin, the strength of sin is the law. But I like that last verse in 57, where he says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the resurrection is a worthy study, Brother Austin. It's worthy to, to examine uh, deeper and, and, and from every angle possible. And that's why Easter is so important is because it is an accumulation of, of everything that the Bible talks about. It is the focal point. It, it ought to be our study and our focus at all times because it is our blessed hope. And without Christ we are so miserable and have nothing we have nothing in this life without that hope.
0: Well it was Paul there in 1 Corinthians fifteen, you mentioned that that chapter that he said there in verse fourteen that if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes. Sir. And it was D. L. Moody that once said, Never preach about Easter, about the text, without saying God raised from raised him from the dead. Yes, don't sir. just preach the crucifixion. Don't just preach everything and leave out the resurrection. You've got to tell him he rose again on the third <laughs> day. Because yes, if Christ hadn't rose, our faith would be in vain, and his claim to be a deity, his claim to be God, would be refuted by his inability to rise from his own death. And so we have hope in God because he is alive. You know, Muhammad was found, you know, he founded Islam. He never died for anybody. He's still on the ground. Joseph Smith yes, founded Mormonism, and he's still dead. Many, many have died, yes. many have crucified, and many have been buried. Many have been in the tomb. But nobody that claimed to be God could ever rise again on the third day.
3: That's right. That's right. I love songs that um, that shake that over the devil's head. I love it. I love uh, hearing songs about Easter and uh, rejoicing in the fact that all the other tombs, as you mentioned, you can find their bones there. Uh, But in Christ's tomb, there is nothing but a shout of victory. That's right. Victory over our enemy death. That does bring me to uh, what I mentioned. I had a second thought, and uh, that brings me to my second point there my favorite easter story is found at the tomb where that uh, mary magdalene comes early that easter morning and she shows up at the tomb and sees the stone taken away I, i believe they had already came discussed it the disciples left and she comes back to that tomb and she's standing there weeping and then the scripture tells us this is the 20th chapter of john In the 11th verse, as she swept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And she sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and another at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they ask her, they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. And it says she saw Jesus standing. But before I look into that, I just want to point out that she turned herself (laughs) And um, another thing I want to point out is she talked to angels. I mean, I I may have done that somewhere in life, maybe, but that's kind of not normal to just carry on a conversation with angels. I mean, every time we read the scripture where someone has an account of speaking with angels, they're trembling or, uh, you know, just astounded or they fall on their face. You know, Daniel, he's weak. He can't, he falls down and, um, fear takes hold of people, and and you know nobody just has a conversation with angels. She not only has a you know quick little uh, you know talk with an angel, but then she turns around away from the angel, almost as if it's just I'm done with you, you know. But uh, so she turns and she sees Jesus, doesn't know it's Jesus. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why weepest thou whom seekest thou? And she supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and listen to this, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. But what I noticed here here is that when he says Mary, she turns again to him, which tells me the Bible doesn't tell us this. But she has already turned herself away from Christ in order to have to turn back. So she stoops down, sees angels. They say something to her and she answers them and turns around, turns away, we should say, turns away from the ministers that God has sent to comfort and redirect her because she's in this this horrible state of mourning, not only lost her, her friend Uh, Christ is a minister to her of her spiritual needs has cast devils out of her. No doubt. Uh, she's turned to him over and over, followed him ministering to his needs, but then she's also lost her hope entirely lost her hope. And so over and over in this garden, we see her just turning away from God's efforts to minister to her and console her, comfort her and restore her hope in his plan. And so she turns away from the angels and sees Jesus, thinks it's someone else. And he says something to her, asks her a question. And she turns. Did you notice she didn't even answer him? She just asked him another question or made a statement. You know, if you've borne him, tell me where he's at and I'll take him away. She doesn't answer his question even. And she's already turning away from Christ. And when he speaks her name. She turns back to him. But I just feel like that she typifies the human that is in sorrow and in suffering. And does that not point us to every human in this world even without Christ looking for some purpose in life, some comfort, some consolation, some hope? just seems like that we're in a world of hurting people, that every effort that God makes to comfort them and draw them to him, they turn away from. And they're turning away from, and they're turning. And it's so sad because you and I as ministers, we present to them the very healing thing that is going to to bring them the consolation and the comfort that they need. And over and over, I've seen people turn away. But you know what will bring them back, Brother Austin, is that personal touch of Christ. When Christ said her name, she knew it was him. And I have seen that over and over, and I believe that is is the, the most glorious part about God's ministry to us, not just earthly ministry, but today His ministry to us through the Holy Ghost, is that everyone in this old world gets that personal touch. I can tell you stories, and you could tell stories, and we've heard them all our life, where that God reaches down and Find someone that no one can touch, no one can help, and they're so distrustful, embittered, full of, of hate or whatever the story, whatever the situation. And he melts their defenses with a personal invitation. And he did that for Mary and uh, comforted her in such a beautiful way. And, and every time I read that particular passage... I'm I'm just drawn to Mary and to Christ's personal comfort for her, and and I see such a consolation for us as well, and such a parallel for what God did for me, for you, and really what He's trying and attempting to do for the whole world, and that is to restore His hope, and or or give hope if there is never been hope, if there's never been a, that hope in someone's life, but He wants to give people hope. In the, in the hereafter hope that after death there is life and that if we'll trust God in this life and just sell out to him he has a wonderful future in heaven prepared for us and that's the essence of, of what Easter means to me and that I'd be not further tedious to you that's uh I know we're probably way past our time <laughs> that's all right but that's the gist of what I wanted to say, and I really appreciate you letting me say something to your your audience, brother Austin. And I think you got a great thing going on when you spread such a wonderful message as the resurrection.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on and telling what you had on your mind and on your heart. And uh, there's a lot of things we could say, and I'm sure you know we're not going to be able to say everything that needs to be said in one episode. And uh, but Easter's just a wonderful time, and I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate you and Brother Devin Birdsong both coming on the episode with me today. And uh, with me and Brother Zach being so busy, I didn't want to have to do all this by myself. I I thought, man, that's just weird, me talking by myself. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to get some preacher friends involved on such a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. And uh, so we're going to suffer here, and uh, I'm just so thankful um, that you all came on, and I just appreciate it.
3: Yes, sir, and God bless your audience, and God bless you, sir. We appreciate you.
0: Well, we're so thankful on the podcast today to have Brother Devin Birdsong and Brother Jeff Wood. So thankful to them uh, for being my friends and for coming on today and talk to us about Easter. Thank God for Easter. Well, I think we've broke our record for the longest episode that we've ever had on the podcast. We're approaching 60 minutes. We're at 58 and a half at the moment, so I want to get off here before 60 minutes, but I want to read this to you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ assures us of our resurrection. Look at 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You can read on where it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. He is the firstfruits of them that slept. His resurrection was a guarantee that there'll be another one because when Jesus comes again, the graves will burst open with the saints and we which are alive and remain will go to be with him. John 14 and 19 says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. I'm telling you, his resurrection was a promise for our resurrection to come. Thank you. We'll see you later.
1: of life I've run. The Lord says to me, my child, well done.